Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre. With Matt Petrowski. The duo back together again. Talking about FileMaker. <laughs> All day, every day. When we're not working with it, we're talking about it, right? Just not to each other. Just <laughs> not not often it. enough, yeah. Yeah, no, talking about it in our own heads. Right. And, and then realizing that the, the uh, phantom power of communicating outside of your head, what's that called? That's not telekinesis, teleportation, tele-something. Doesn't Pathic. work. Telepathic. There you go, telepathic powers. <laughs> Pathetic. Telepathetic. Tele- telepathetic. That'd be a good company name. <laughs> uh, yeah, unless you didn't want to make sales. That's <laughs> not what your product is. It's, if it's telepathetic t-shirt company, it'd be great. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> so it's not FileMaker. Let's just dive into topics and, and stuff. What, what you got? It's not FileMaker. Let's see. This week, or well, for this episode, uh, Sparrow. I'm a Mac guy. I'm on a Mac. I'm using Sparrow as a mail client for Gmail. I've always been using the Gmail interface, and I dropped mail. It had all of the extra features through a plugin, tagging, etc., but I wasn't really using them in mail, and I didn't want to keep the mail on my hard drive anymore. I decided to use the Gmail interface, but I was getting a little bored with that. So I went and downloaded Sparrow, which is it's an interface that has a take on the Twitter interface on the iPad. If you have an iPad and you've used Twitter, um, it's really nice. Tweety was also the client on the Mac that it uses. And so it basically has this left-hand sidebar with icons representing different accounts. It supports multiple accounts. But the one really nice thing is you go into the settings for this email client, which is just accessing Gmail directly via IMAP. But it has support for turning on all of the same mappings as what the Gmail client has within the browser. Hmm. So, And that's pretty much everything. I'm a Vim user in the terminal, so it's basically key-based operations where J moves you up and down and K, J, K, and L, all the different keys on your home row all do different things. And so it's very quick and easy to work within it because it supports those keys. Hmm. Interesting. I'm still using mail and still like it, but I'll, I love hearing about new things. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think he's got, there's a Sparrow Lite in the App Store, which you can try it out for free. And then if you like it, I think it's only $7, if I'm correct. I don't know. I'd have to go into the App Store and check it out. But it's simply called Sparrow, just like the bird. Yep. $10, I think. Well, there you go. I went to, I Googled Sparrow, and it's the first link that comes up is the mail client. Oh, wow. Now, that's a nice deal to get for that hit. <laughs> yep, that's true. And the second link was the Wikipedia article on the bird. <laughs> <laughs> that means he must have some pretty good popularity. <laughs> That's true. Or more than the bird anyway. And it's birding season too. <laughs> so uh, my It's Not FileMaker, surprise, surprise, an iPhone app. <laughs> surprise. <gasps> I'm shocked. Uh, it's a camera app. And you'd, the really shocking thing is it's from Microsoft. It's Microsoft Photosynth. I really like panorama apps i've got several of them my favorite one my go-to one for panoramas has always been pano which is great but pano you have to you take a picture and then you line up the next one and take a picture and line up the next one it takes some time um photosynth is pretty cool because you just start the picture and then it look, takes the picture and sort of like um onion skins the uh, picture as you move the camera around and then when it reaches an edge about halfway across the frame 
like a little cursor center dot appears and it shows you when it you're to the point where it's going to take the next picture and then it just automatically does so you just slowly move the camera around up down left right and it takes a vr cam um of it so it's not actually making a pan uh, panorama it's making a vr one frame at a time totally automatically with no stuff you just basically hold out the phone so pretty cool and then oh. it saves it to a flat image in your photo library. And I guess if you have a Microsoft account, which I haven't yet done, then you can actually get online and look at them in your .NET account or whatever as a as a panorama type, uh, or sorry, as a VR type photo where you can look around it and you know look around in a circle, like when you took the shot. That I will have to check out. I think and the it's only free. thing I have is uh, auto stitch is the only thing that I've ever had on my camera. I've got a whole page full of camera apps. Oh, my gosh. I just last week went to the iPhone 4 from having been on a 3G. Oh, the camera on the 4 is so nice. Oh, it was painful, painful, yeah. the 3G, 3G was. Yeah, it's pretty bad. So. Oh, yeah, I got a few different. I got a stop motion thing called iMotion, which I'm looking forward to play with. Uh, QuickFix is actually a really good replacement for the camera that comes with the phone. It takes pictures much more quickly. You can take pictures, you know, a couple of seconds. Uh, and the camera app doesn't allow you to do that. Quick what now? Quick Pix, P-I-X. Hmm. Very cool. And photo, I think, uh, well, Photosynth was free. Quick Pix and iMotion, I think, are like a dollar or two dollars, something like that. Very nice. So, and the, the uh, topic kind of leads into a FileMaker Cool. So Tom Fitch is a developer I've worked with for more than a decade. He now works in the building that I work in, uh, Oregon Public Health. And he came up with something that I was pretty shocked would happen in 2011, a new way to sort portals. I was very taken aback myself. I thought, okay, you know, I've done the get field. I've done the multiple tabs with each portal sorted differently. But what he came up with was simple, straightforward, and very nice. And uh, multi-user friendly and fast and easy to implement. And yeah, and a single calculated field is all that it takes and a really, really simple short calculation. So if you had to describe it so that people could understand basically the premise, not every detail, how would you boil it down? Well, actually, the, the, the main thing is, first of all, the way that the way the main way that I'm going to use this is for portal sorts where I'm actually having the portal driven by a global. So I have a global field that has multiple keys on the left, and on the right, I have just the key. So it's it's a really really simple relationship, and those are the ones I'm using more and more because I like that. So let's call that a structure. Let's call that a dynamic portal because more portal. or less, okay. it's not a fixed relationship where you have you know fixed keys on one side and fixed keys on the other. Right. You're dynamically able to populate that global with any number of keys in order for the portal to show whatever you want. Right. But if you sort like so, what what I often use is I use a script that goes and gets some keys, so it does a find. And right. it says, okay, fine, you know, these things. And that can be, you know, super powerful because fines are so great. I'm all about that. But if you then sort the records before you loop through those records and grab the keys, the relationship does not care how you sorted it, which I don't like. I wish it did because that would actually make this not necessary. I know. That, wouldn't it be great? Just a, a bubble sort right on the global field. Right, but it doesn't. So it, it just puts, the, puts them out in key order. Um, so you have to then apply a sort to the portal to make it work. And so his cool idea is to take a single field that compares um, the ID of 
each line. So let's say you do actually sort that list of, of keys. Um, well, it does. The records have to be sorted in the order that you want them sorted by. That has to come from somewhere. Right. Yeah. So you, let's say you, you do your find and you've got your list of keys and then you have a sort. And so you sort it by relevance or by whatever. Um, so they're not in the native order, uh, alphabetical. And then you loop through and you grab the keys. And so now your list, which you're using for the relationship, is in the specific order that you want, even though we just established that the relationship doesn't see it. So then what you do is you have a calculation that compares the key for this record to the position in that global field or in that global variable. Uh, well, actually, it has to be a global field for the relationship. Um, so, uh, and then grabs the, uh, the position in that thing. So let's say you have a key that's five digits long, and you've got three records, and one, two, three, four, five, uh, all fives and all nines, right? And then, but the, the, first, the, the, the first record that you want to have on the list is the one that's five, 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 which is not the first record that you've sorted. Um, or I'm sorry, uh, it is the first. Uh, I'm making it really confusing, aren't <laughs> yeah, I? Yeah, you're going down, <laughs> you're going going down, down a windy path windy here. Path. I mean, we can make this... The, the, here's, here's how I understand it, because I, I went into the file and I actually made a few Save me. enhancements. Me, make it simple. <laughs> Basically, the way that this works is you either have a global or a global variable. It's basically just a place to shove data. The data that you're shoving in there, you are getting from either a list view or something that actually puts a sort on the data in the order that you want it. So if it's by last name, you sort it based on that last name, which isn't necessarily the unsorted order. You know, Obviously, you've entered in names in completely different random order. But once you have those in that sorted order, you get that out of the list view, which is what he's doing. Now, he's doing it by using a record loop by looping through all of that and simply concatenating each value onto a global variable, or it can be in a global field. Right, um, right. Get nth record is another way with something like the custom list, which I did, but get nth record, it can be very slow, and I wouldn't use mm -hmm. it for anything over 100 records. Or an SQL plugin will also get a list of keys. Or, or a SQL will get a list mm -hmm. of keys, or the old FileMaker trick of copy all records on a dedicated layout with just that field, if that's, even, if that's even there. <laughs> I don't know. Basically, your whole goal is just to get the, the data values you want in the sorted order you want into this global variable. Then, with an unstored relationship on the table where you want those records sorted, which the portal is displaying, you basically just use more or less a position function looking for the value and where it is, what its position is within that global variable. Right, because then each... Um each record will have a different number, and then that's the number that you can sort on. It's brilliant. It's just, it's whatever position it is, when you sort by that field having gotten the position, it sorts in the order according to how you had ordered them in that global variable. Right. Now, if you use, if all your keys are five digits long, the position is going to uh, grab the uh, the length of it as well, right? So your first record is going to be a position one. Your second record is going to be position six. But you can still sort on it. It doesn't really care that you've that you've left out five things. It's still perfectly valid for sorting. 
Well, the cool thing about it is the fact that we're talking about it so emphatically and, <laughs> and with passion, people will go, okay, I want to go find this. <laughs> Where can they find it? Uh, Fitch and Fitch. That's F-I-T-C-H, the word and, and then F-I-T-C-H again, dot com. And he's, it's probably right there on his blog. You'll be able to see it's within at least the most recent five that he's posted. But he's got the example file there of how he worked it up. And I don't know if he posted an enhanced version where I had put in some functions that I've included that makes, in general, sorting really pretty automated and easy. Yeah, I think you and a couple of other people that he'd submitted to had done a bunch of things with it. Another guy whose name escapes me at the moment um, did a bunch of stuff with a virtual list and refined the technique and sort of took it down a bunch of different roads. Um, so it's very, very cool. Yep, I'm very, very grateful that it's there. It makes it really fast, really nice for sorting portals now without having to do the multiple tabs or the get field method. But I, I kind of wanted to just talk about sorting in general and what other sorting wisdom you have and what tips you usually, you know, th what, what methods you usually do for sorting in portals and lists. Funny you ask. <laughs> um, there, one of the articles that I'm going to be coming out with for the subscribers on the magazine site deals with um, sorting. For a long time, I've used um, basically a script to handle the sorting of different, uh, th different things, list mm -hmm. views and primarily portals. Mm -hmm. Now, there's only a few key things that you need to know about sorting and primarily boils down to two pieces of information. What field am I sorting on? And what direction is it in? Is it ascending or descending? And then you have custom and, you know, a super custom where you're, you know, forcing one value up at the top or whatever. Right. But I won't, I won't go into that. Let's just stick with ascending versus descending. Sure. So you've got a switch. Uh, let's say zero is descending, one is ascending. Mm -hmm. So basically I was thinking, why am I doing this all within you know, a dedicated global and within a script. Why can I not automate this? Because oftentimes in a multi-window FileMaker solution, you may have two different windows open, each with their own list view. Mm -hmm. So if I do this all within a script, it doesn't make sense to do it with local variables within that script. Of course, the list view will stay sorted, but you gain some benefits if you do this within global variables. For example, you know whether the one particular list view versus another is sorted based on the get sorted state function. But you also want to know, for example, what field was the last field that was sorted and in what direction so that you can show things within the interface, such as using conditional formatting on the column in order to make that column bold. Right. Or apply it on all fields. Or being able to show a toggle arrow of the ascending versus the descending, which is very common within you know mm -hmm. pretty much every OS. Right. So yeah. I, like I if you go to iTunes or if you go to the Finder on the Mac, that's the way they work. Yeah. And you want to you want to be able to replicate that easily across as many solutions as possible. So my thought process was why am I not using custom functions to sort of manage this whole process? So I created three different cu uh, custom functions. One of them is toggle direction, one of them is uh, show indicator and then the other one is, um, I believe, get direction. I'd have to open up my database where I've implemented hmm. this. But basically, 
The custom function itself, what it does is it internally declares some reserved variables. And these variables are classed according to the layout. So the way that it works is it, I have a global variable. It says sort.layout, and then it gets the layout ID, and then it gets the whatever field name is dynamically. So it's like sort.layout.22.field, and then within that, I actually put the field name. So within my, my data viewer, I can see all of the different layouts that are potentially sorted if you have multiple windows. And I typically promote using just one window and not opening multiple windows mm -hmm. just for the sake of easy applications. But it makes it really easy because then I have sort.portal dot name of the portal and then the field and then the order and so because the custom functions control and manage these global variables by using environment specific information I can on the fly uh, flip the field whatever it is and flip the order of ascending versus descending and they're all managed within their own global variables by the custom functions themselves and the custom functions are, are named really easy so that when you are actually going to sort, say on the actual button that's on the column where you're going to sort, when you pull up the button, the button reads as uh, sort people list, and then the parameter that's being passed is the name of the function, and it's called UI sort toggle. And it passes in the reference of the field name. So everything that you read about the script name says, oh, I'm sorting the people list, I'm sorting it by the field, which I can see as a parameter within this function of UI sort toggle. And I'm going to toggle the sort based on this field. Then when you get into the script, the script also reads if UI sort direction equals ascending, sort it ascending. If UI sort direction equals descending, sort it descending. So basically it makes it really easy to read all of these different sort functions within your scripts and within the user interface. Cool. <laughs> cool as in that was a little convoluted, hard to follow, huh? I really need to play with it. Like the when I, I've I've in, implemented a lot of these sort things before and, and the goal for me has always been to have as few things I have to modify in the layout as possible. So when I want when I Go to a, when I create a new list for a table that I just added, and I have five columns in this list, and I want to put headers above all those columns, and the header is the button. The, the header, when I click on it, runs a script that does a sort. Right. And the header has to have conditional formatting that shows if it's selected and if it's ascending or descending. Correct. So I need the minimum amount of stuff to do possible. So the, unfortunately, the header can't get the name of the field directly below it by anything that I've been able to figure out, such that if I actually just move that header to some other place on the layout, it can grab the field directly adjacent. Have you figured anything like that out yet? <laughs> well, that is sort of what this addresses. Here, let me explain it to you in terms of how to implement. Okay. Go into the database, copy three custom functions. Well, there's one extra function, four custom functions. Mm -hmm. You copy this block, you paste it in. Go create your script... Your script is going to have both your ascending and your descending sort orders. Go to your layout, where, whether it's a list view or whether it's a portal. Assign your column to be a double-clickable button. Double-click, 
and then select your perform script, the script that you just created that's going to sort. Mm -hmm. And as a parameter, you're going to put one of these custom functions. And the custom function, let's make it simple. I prefixed it with UI, but it's basically going to be just read sort toggle. The parameter that you're going to pass is the name of the field, the actual field reference beneath the actual column that you want to sort. Right, so you manually then, on that particular object, put in the field name. Correct. But oh, what's and, cool and if you is use the it, get field name function. That's then... exactly what's being used in the custom function. So if oh, okay, you okay. change the name of the field, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It will beautiful. still work. That was a gem that came in 11, I think, or 10. Oh, the, the get field name is that and the list function, probably my two most favorite functions for dynamic FileMaker coding. Yeah. yeah. And then within your script, as you're reading your script, basically it reads this. If sort direction equals ascending, uh, in sort direction, basically you if sort direction and then the parameter being passed to that function mm -hmm. is the name of that field, a direct field reference. Again, if you change it, it's okay. Well, the sort command, the script that does the sorting still actually has to have one sort script step for every individual field and table, right? You, you can't... Correct. Yeah. Yes, you, you still do. But what, what happened is it became really easy. If sort direction this field equals ascending, then you just specify that sort script. Right. If sort direction this field equals descending, then you specify that. Right. So this, the, the script itself is self-documented in the way that I created the functions. Yeah, it's, it's long but very simple. Hmm, great. And if FileMaker would just mm, do things right and make it so that you could <laughs> dynamically specify a sort based on whatever you want. I know, like you can, now you can specify so many other things dynamically. Sorts are like hanging out. It's sort of looking suspicious because it's a, you know. So, okay, let's talk about the, the um, conditional formatting of that object now. Because I've, I've got it clear in my head how you implement it, and it sounds about as simple as it can get on the script side. Well, the sort toggle mm -hmm. custom function, mm -hmm. it is what's handling the declaration of global variables. So the global variable that was created for your um, field name has a dedicated global variable that was created for it, and it starts like this, sort.layout dot whatever the idea of the layout is mm -hmm. dot field and then within that is the actual name of the field so your your conditional formatting on the column header basically looks for that particular global variable you can uh, you again can dynamically get it if you want by creating a custom uh, by using the custom function to get the id right. of the actual layout and you're just going to prefix that with sort dot layout dot the ID and the only reason that I'm using the ID is it'll it then does support multiple windows being open but within that if the field name matches the field the column that you're sorting on you just highlight based on that well it supports multiple windows being open on different layouts not on the same layout correct yeah if you're looking but, at but that's but not, on the that's, same layout you wouldn't be sorting in you wouldn't be sorting the same list in two different ways sure you might you might time. open you might open up two lists of people and have them oh. side by side and sort one by last name and one by date of birth or something. I see what you're saying. And yeah, that's, so that's you, the only thing I could think of that would break your scenario. And, and that's no big deal. All you have no to do is m all you have to do is modify the um, modify the script to say window to name look at the window. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I mean, the whole purpose was being able to create custom custom functions that would manage sorting variables where you know what field was last sorted on, what the direction is, and then all you need to do, use in order to determine whether the database is sorted or not is look at the get sorted state. Or you could not do any of this stuff and use the FM search results method of drawing lists, um, which is to just use a repeating global field, and then you can just sort it in the script and then when you loop through this, all the records, it automatically stays in that order because there's no extra BS. That was a that was sort of a joke. That little last part there, even though <laughs> even though all that stuff is true, it's sort of a sales pitch to buy search results. <laughs> well, you made my brain start to think as I started to try to process what you were saying in terms of the implementation. <laughs> well, search results sort of does all all those things for you, but it it doesn't use a portal to display the information. It's using a list. It, it uses a repeating global field. With text. So with how many repetitions? A couple hundred. You just, like, I mean, you know that people can't process over X number. Well, seven, that's why telephone numbers are, yeah. you know, seven digits. That's the... Well, I mean, you could make them more, but, on, on, you know, generally, I think if you're doing a search, well, it's really built for searching. If you go to Google and you do a search... Um, you're not going to typically go through page after page after page after page, right. 200 li- you know lines down, uh, search re- search returns back. You're going to you modify, modify your, search. your search and and type in more or less terms to get a more accurate result. Yep. And so less is more. Yeah, less is more. But for a list, there's sometimes there's a really good reason to have a lot of things just to scroll through. And the other thing is, I think if you have more than about a thousand things returned, a thousand records, you probably don't want to sort them because it takes too long for FileMaker to do that. Yeah, that's a definite. That's actually a good uh, thing to put on any sorting script. If you know that what you're doing will work with a small subset, like the get using the get nth record and mm-hmm. ripping across a number of records, put on a limit on that. Say, you know, if get found count is greater than 100, don't do it. Yeah, and what I do is I, I put uh, objects on the layout that are conditionally formatted, uh, merge. Uh, fields or what do you call those? No, the new thing that came in eleven, the um, merge variable. Yeah, and um, or you can fixed. actually just put some text on there. Yeah, they did. I'm so glad. Or you can just put some text on the layout that says too many records to show, or you know, unable to sort records because the found count is too high or whatever. And then conditionally format that object if the found count is greater than a hundred or a thousand or whatever your number is to be invisible. So, like, if the number is greater than a certain thing, then make the font size 300 points, and then the, uh, and then the object is invisible. Right. It's sort of weird backwards logic to do it that way, but it does work. Did you know that uh, this is something about those merge variables? Did you know that you can actually use a locally scoped merge variable on a layout, and it will persist? No. Yes. Actually... You know, think of this. Normally, let's say in a list view, you're going to create an unstored calculation that says get found count. You don't have to create that calculation. You can use conditional formatting that will basically set a locally scoped variable. So just single dollar sign mm-hmm. found count. Put that on the layout on a list view and it will work. Wow. And it will display the found count without actually having to have that extra calculation, which would be Absolutely nice if we could use, you know, if on those merge variables, we could get rid of pretty much every display calculation if we were able to use the calculation engine in order to generate those if they're going to show, you know, locally scoped variables on the layout. 
And then, of course, fix the refresh issues and the, <laughs> the display and redraw. And wow, then we're golden. Then we're just creating <laughs> fields just for data. A couple years more of that, and we're going to have access. <laughs> 2007. <laughs> oh, man. Live code or, uh, or one of those other environments. And then if it keeps going, we're going to have DBase 4. Remember, remember how awesome that was? No. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Used a little Fox Pro, but that was about it. I did a little DBase. I did DBase back before FileMaker, actually, in 1983. Wow. FileMaker, uh, Fox Pro was my entry. Yeah. And then I jumped ship and went to FileMaker. Yeah, I've been FileMaker a long time. I'm not looking back. Yep. So... I'm looking forward to when they uh, enhance some things in the uh, mobile arena. It is always fun to watch. I really like the changes in FM Go 1.2. I haven't been able. I've, I read about them, but I didn't. I didn't have an iPad 2, and I forget if I've even. I think I've downloaded uh, two, and I know that they the signature capture. They put that in. I was talking to Geist. Of course, he had a competing product, but he said right. it, it broke his stuff. But he said that they only did it on one orientation, I think on landscape only. Oh, really? That's weird. Yeah. So, but uh, that's nice that they're, they're going to support, you know, by default, those things that people are going to want. I just want them to fix the, the redraw. I'm one, I just want them to the buffer the whole yeah. window. I mean, it's really, that to yeah. me is the, the biggest hold up in terms of like you know bigger adoption because if it feels like an iPhone app because it's zippy and fast and snappy then then that's that's when I feel like it would be warranted to create like a, a filemaker iPhone iPad app store you know something where hey just buy filemaker and you can have access to all these other apps too right things that are more Tightly targeted than what you normally would find on the app store, and yeah. editable, which is the key thing. Yeah, business oriented, yeah. enterprise, mm -hmm. you know, stuff that companies want. I am looking forward to that day, and I do believe it's coming. That'll be cool. Well, that's uh, we had a lot of sorting talk there. I can't think of anything else related to sorting that I have. There isn't anything else related to sorting that exists as far. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think oh. I've talked to you since pause, man. It's been months. January. Well, you don't call me. Well, you don't call me. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> been busy, been working on some themes, trying to get ready to revise the magazine site. I love seeing all the new themes coming out in Theme Studio. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's getting getting hard to, to come up with stuff. I feel like I'm exhausting all of the different... Uh, little cool things that you can do. One of the cool things that I, um, Todd Geist had called me and uh, he was asking the, the syncing that he's working with John Sindelar mm -hmm. on. Um, goes, he wanted to use, yeah, which is pretty cool. He, I, he wanted to use one of the themes, this one called Sidebar Tabulous. But um, I was telling him, because, you know, the mail app, when you're in uh, Portrait, it you have to hit the little button and it pulls down the list in order to move between folders. And if you go landscape, then it pops out of the side. You can do that with FileMaker 2 if you create your interface so that something underneath the interface is anchored to either the right or the left. So basically, you're going to create your interface in a 
um, in a dimension that supports portrait, but when you uh, orient it to landscape, it'll slide out because you've anchored it to the left or the right. Right. The only thing is that it can't be fields that you're going to enter into because obviously while it's in portrait mode, you could accidentally be in a field that's behind everything that's being displayed and it'd be really funky. So it's oh, really yeah, good yeah. for selection type things like a navigation portal. Mm-hmm. That was a brilliant technique that you came with. I, I love that. I saw it. Oh, the... The one that I just explained? Yes. John Sindler said it to me not long ago. Uh, actually, we were sort of A and Bing the solutions that FileMaker um, ships for the iPad, the sort of the sample ones. Right. And, of course, the, you know they have a different bar that they're aiming for. They're looking at multilingual and worldwide distribution and really simple, not too complex, let people take them apart. And then he was showing me the stuff that you had done and the stuff that he did with Seed Code Complete, which have all these cool features and, and feel, to me, much more like a native iPad app, which is totally the gold standard for me is to make it feel like an iPad, like, a, like, like it's meant to be there. Yeah. Very much so, and I'm looking forward to that refresh fix <laughs> or buffering or whatever it is that they do. Yeah, so it doesn't draw in weird quadrants. You actually did have a really good workaround for that, though. I think you go to a loading page, or what's your, what's your yeah. thing? You have to make it quite a bit better. Yeah, it's on the iPad, and it's basically just to force it from as it unredraws the the one that it's on or it's not actually unredrawing mm-hmm. but as it uh, tries to draw the new screen it looks like it's undrawing the old screen you just left from while it draws the new screen and I, I said forget this why don't you just go to a blank layout that you know very quickly that says layout loading or something and then go to it because it's basically forcing a flush of whatever the previous was in order to display a blank white canvas with maybe a simple piece of text then start to draw the new item a d-draw and a redraw <laughs> yeah so and i think somebody even enhanced that and um did a basically just a full screen web viewer and that web viewer already had a it, it had already been loaded somehow and it was basically it just showed a little um animated gif that said loading or something which was pretty cool, but I mean, it added a little bit of extra time, but it gave a nice effect for fixing the problem. Hmm, so. I thought I thought I heard something about one point two, changing some things about the, how things are cached and ordered and when they load, but I can't remember the details now. And that I don't know because I haven't played a whole lot with. Uh, do you, since so you, they do you not have an iPad two yet? No, not an iPad two. I've got an iPad one. Hmm. Hey, I just got an iPhone four. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm thrilled about that. <laughs> it is pretty great. I'm a I'm an early adopter geek. I waited in line for the iPad 2 on first day. Oh, must be nice. I'm a buy cereal for three kids guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, priorities. That's that's certainly much more important than an iPad. As much as I love you my iPad. You have no idea how much cereal a 6-year-old will eat. He'll eat two bowls double the size of what you'll eat one of. <laughs> <laughs> when I, I remember when I was a kid, I would get like Fruit Loops, and then I would add three or four teaspoons of sugar. <laughs> oh, dude! To get that Crazy. awesome sugar milk mush at the bottom of the bowl when I'm done with the cereal. I used to love that stuff. <laughs> I think back on it now, and and I think you know I must have been crazy. This is very thinking? telling. I'm starting to understand more about your personality yeah. now. <laughs> my diabetes started fording me when I was you know four. 
<laughs> eating cereal. Your personality was not genetic. It was created by sugary yeah, by sugary Fruit Loops, definitely. <laughs> Cocoa Puffs. I used to love all that stuff, man. Captain Crunch, which would rip up the roof of your mouth. No. <laughs> oh. Well, we're pretty far off topic, but that's we live for that. Yep. That is just our uh, techno babble geeky jargon talking speaking way. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for bearing with us, all you listeners. Yeah, and we will see you next time.